Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 187. And in today's episode, I will give uh, a G update and then a little bit of housekeeping on a prior uh, podcast on the on the uh, being a better trainer and then finish off with the next kind of section on building your dog. Um, the first thing I want to do is in the last couple podcasts, I had talked about uh, the value of note taking and kind of documenting what you see and what you learn and what you've done and and using that as a, a very powerful tool, you know, to keep your training program going on the right direction and all that. One of the members of my training group, who's been doing this for quite a while, brought something to my attention and suggested if I wanted to let people know about this. Because I had said to everyone, you know, get find a notebook that you really like that kind of calls to you, and then you'll pick it up and use it more. Uh, and what he had was something, because he's gone to, I think, every Mike Lardy seminar that ever was, and Pat Byrne seminars, and all kinds of stuff. And he has a lot of notebooks. And what he's found over all these years, and it goes to the Master National every single year, Hall of Fame type stuff, <clears throat> is... A notebook, a ride in the rain uh, notebook. It's it's not huge. It's small. You can tuck it in a jacket pocket or, or something, in the inside the door of your truck. But it's a a notebook and a pen when you order this, that and that you can buy it also for the retriever stuff or whatever. I mean, if you were a soccer player, you could buy stuff for that. You can buy literally pages with information and p- spots to let you draw drills, setups, make commentaries, all that, all that. But you can do it if it's super humid. You can do it in a wet conditions, in the rain, in the snow, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't run. You have to have that pen and that notebook, and so you can, you know, be sitting in a, under an umbrella listening to a seminar and be able to write down all you want. So I just wanted to pass that on because he showed me his, and it's called Write in the Rain. And that's R-I-T-E, right in the rain. And it's all-weather writing paper, and then you can get real specific kinds. So I can't tell you right here and right now where to go look that up, but I'm sure you can all find it. But it's right in the rain, and it's a really nice thing. So if you're interested in, in refining your note-taking, and if you don't know about this thing already, it's, a, it's an awesome deal. Matter of fact, he went back a number of years it was showing me all the stuff that he'd done and all the options that he had. And there was a ABC drill, a marking thing. And I said, well, let's do that for our second setup. And so we did one of his drills from, I think it was a, a lardy thing he got. But we did that uh, because it was on his notebook. And I saw that and went, that would be great. Let's do that. So just wanted to pass that on. He was kind enough to make sure that everybody, uh, you know, if they wanted to, knew about something like that. Right in the rain. R-I-T-E right in the rain. Very briefly, the uh, G update. Uh, I would say uh, we're good on all fronts. We're holding points. We're steady to wing a shot. We're running marks. We can run blinds, very connected with the marks. What I'm doing, because the plan is to go out and start running the hunt tests in the spring, is so now I have the fundamental tools on, but I don't go out and set up tests and then practice running tests. Anyone's listened to this very long knows that that's definitely not something I, I think is the best way to go. What we're doing now, it's January. You know, it's several months before things begin. So we are, I do Upland once a week, 
you know, because I that's what I do for a living, so that's a luxury. I get to do upland every week, weather allowing. Uh, not today, because we have another four or five inches of snow coming down. But she runs marks three, four times a week, almost always singles, because I need a dog that has a lot of confidence and can mark something that's very simple or something that's very difficult, that's very long, very short, has a lot of factors to it. So I spend a lot more time with all these dogs, getting them to be really good markers instead of making them count to two or three every week. Then you, you know, you begin to introduce a little bit that when you get close to the test, but I, we're just really working on marking, like that ABC drill. You know, that's very complicated, and she's, what, 14 months old, could do all of it. Kind of was curious about a certain, a few certain things, but could do all of it. And then we always, we run blinds three or four days a week at least, and usually not just one, but when we just run blinds by themselves, I'll do four or five. And if I do blinds with marks, I'll do more than one most of the time. So that she just gets very good at running blinds and doesn't get worried or think about it too much. Very good at running marks, short, long, tight, hard, weird to find, hard to get to. Uh, and then we do our upland every week so that she just gets better at better at bird finding and bird behavior and bird management and all of that. There's so much to learn in all of that. It's not like you just go out and go, Nat, they run blinds now. Yep, she's good in the upland field. That, it's, that's, that's not, there's not an end point to any of this. There's always just a process of getting better. And so this is the way that I've found over the years, lets dogs get where they can do really difficult things uh, without being worried or afraid or, oh, wrong, now I'm in trouble. That kind of thing doesn't happen. So that's the G update. We are just practicing and practicing. So now that I've told this to everybody, you know, when we do show up in the spring, <laughs> she better look good <laughs> or else I'll just look like an idiot. So anyway, I'm putting myself on the spot with all that. But things go very well with her. So back to the dog building uh, topic. And like I said, probably this is uh, maybe my all-time favorite topic and I don't even care what what breed it is you know I have tons of experience in the retriever stuff and the hunting dog stuff but dog building goes for little dogs you know I've had wiener dogs and it goes for big dogs and dogs that aren't the sporting dogs it, it goes for everybody the dog building thing I wish people would look at it more that way but in the prior podcast I talked about making sure before you undertake your dog building projects, that you get the right dog for you and that for the things you wanna do with this dog, you have the right stuff. You, you live somewhere, you know, like I said, don't live in an apartment on Park Avenue and have a, a sled dog. I mean, have a dog that fits what you have available to provide. The housing, you know, how much time are you gonna be able to spend with it? If you get a big purpose-driven dog and then don't have time to do much with them, their high purpose drive is gonna wind up unearthing the flower beds or the fence or the drywall or the leather couch. So make sure you have the right fit. But I'm gonna, now we're gonna move on to, okay, you have your dog, it's the right fit. It's very important now before you start the building thing to be aware of what you put into 
a dog when you get it, especially in the beginning. There is a very strong human characteristic, very strong, that whenever we have a dog, it's our dog, and you know we, we raise it and we train it and we live with it and we use it. Over time, we wind up getting our dogs to be basically very similar to us. However we are and how, whatever our perspective is, whatever our level of robustness is, whatever our optimism or pessimism or fear or cluelessness, whatever, you know, kind of traits that we have, we wind up imparting those to our dogs and then our dogs wind up having them, okay? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, <laughs> but I see it all the time because I'm in a position where I get to see people and their dogs a lot and and I work with their dogs so I know their dogs and I, I work with the people and then I see them over years and so I've been able to see I have a lot of data with regard to this topic and I just want people to be aware of it I've been forced to be aware of it you know my favorite dogs I've had over all the years are always the ones that are most like me isn't that funny they have traits like me that doesn't mean it's all good <laughs> but I you know it's like I can so relate to them you know, because that's the same thing I would have done. And, and because we're similar, right? And so I really like that. And actually, that's what we all do, is we all tend to create something that's far more like us than it is necessarily what ultimately we wanted. And I just want to give a few examples because it's important that you know what you're sort of on a subliminal level imparting to your dog. So there are people who... Um, I use the ADHD thing because I've taught or ADD. I've talked about that a lot. People who have real attention attention deficit, you know, they can pay attention out, then their mind's off of it, then it's back on, then it's on. Okay, they wind up creating an animal that processes just like that. And so I I know this from so much experience. So when I'm trying to explain to someone about their dog because I'm having a, I'm having to teach them how to focus and stay on something and as I'm explaining this they're on checking their phone and tying their shoes so it's like right I can do anything I, I, I can with this dog but I'm it's going to go home and go right back to the same thing so we impart things like that um, if we are inherently uh, fearful it brings to mind my sister she's a very a good animal person she was on a, a in horses on a national caliber um very good animal person but very fearful human except she could get on big scary horses but anyway so all of she always has australian shepherds and all of hers are also very fearful everyone she's ever had and some much that she's had she always makes them very afraid of things anything is oh someone's here someone's outside what's this thing in the yard i've never seen before and she has imparted the distrust and the insecurity that she has about so many things over to her dogs. And so uh, they are just always, they have to always be kept away. And they, they're just so, life is so hard for them. And she always talks about that. And I guess she relates to it because that's her. And she just imparts that to her dogs. So that's a couple things. Um, I'm going to say a, a real key thing that's important on a positive way is people with a real passion and kind of robustness about things that they love to do also impart that to their dogs. 
So if you're just sort of blasé about stuff, unless you just got a fire-breathing dragon that is just incorrigible no matter what, you wind up imparting that to your dogs too. So if you kind of think slowly and take a little bit of time to work this out, your dog is going to respond slowly and take a little bit of time to work it out. And they may, whoops, forget and go do something else. So many times things that go on in dog behavior are because that person imparted that stuff to them and then is not happy with how they are. I, I, all I can say is I've seen that thousands of times. But if you are the kind of person who is, let's say not crazy, but very passionate and very, very uh, robust about, you know, I've got this dog and I, we're going to hunt and we're going to, or whatever. Okay, this applies to everybody. Like, it's like my wiener dog. Very passionate. Very intense. Just hunts little thing, little, you know, varmints. But on our hunting dogs, it's the birds. And if you have a, you know, I just love this. I love it. Whenever, when somebody tells me, I don't, I don't even hunt to hunt. I hunt to, to work my dog because they love it so much. Okay, there's a win-win situation right there. Because you have this very robust, very passionate attitude about the hunting. And as long as you're, you know, still train and rein in and just don't turn them loose all crazy. I'm not talking about that. Then you're going to have a dog that's going to hunt if it's 100 degrees, is going to hunt if it's 10 degrees, it's going to hunt if it's cold and icy or snowy or whatever, because the love of the hunt is greater than the physical discomfort. So that, I put that in the robust or passion category. And so people who view things and live that way impart that to their dogs as well. So as you're building a dog and you want whatever it is you want from it, understand what you are, basically the platform you're giving this dog to exist on and to go. So again, if, you're, if you do this because, you know, it's fun and, you know, my partner likes to do it, so yeah, I do it with him too. Your dog is going to wind up looking like that. And then if you're the, if you're the, I'm really intense, but I can't stay on task longer than four seconds, then your dog's going to be kind of intense and crazy and also on task just for short periods of time and in and out and sporadic. can drive you nuts when you're training one of those. Um, but you've trained it to be exactly like the trainer is. So I really want that to be uh, imparted to everybody. So however you are, and I'm going to just add a couple more because it's important because I don't think people think about this. If um, you're kind of a, uh, I want to say if, if being kind of unhappy and kind of down and kind of depressed about stuff, if that's one of the personality traits that you contend with and have to deal with in your life, that also impacts your dog. And they can then take on these kind of mood things. And I know that this is not on purpose. Nobody's doing this on purpose. But when you ha have the dark, kind of down, depressed mood, dogs will absorb that and feel that there must be very good reason to, to not be okay. And so they do that. And that can manifest in uh, not the world's most passionate attitude towards the training and the teaching that you're doing. It can also manifest itself in their health. And... This is a real biggie. And I'm not a vet. Don't pretend to be. 
because I know a lot of people, dogs that are, are having issues of, you know, they're just not thriving very much. And they're not, you know, there's something like, seems like this hurts and that hurts, or, you know, they keep getting gastric upset and, and they're whatever they, whatever it is, all these problems. And you go into a vet, well, they have to look for, you know, organic causes. You know, did they eat something? Did they hurt something? Did they, and it's, and they can just look forever and they'll probably find stuff and, but they'll be looking for more after they take care of that because dogs absorb those kind of negative attitudes and the way they are, you know, they're very connected with their, the mind body thing. It comes out in a lot of ill health. So it's interesting that you always find the same people, um, at least I have, who have health problems with dogs, always have health problems with all of their dogs. And then other people who almost never do, other than, you know, t breaking a toenail or poking themselves going through a fence. Um, I mean, uh, people who don't tend to have that, don't. And one of the reasons, and probably the biggest one, is that the passion and robustness or the kind of dark place that people go and it's like, oh, this isn't very good. And what happens to our animals is a really, it, it's a big deal. And then we're upset with them because they've changed their behavior because we changed ours, but we don't think they notice. They, not only do they notice, they completely absorb it. So in building your dog, no matter what is a pet or you want the next national champion, you need to understand that how you are and how you see things and how you feel about stuff and how you conduct things and teach is exactly what that dog is gonna be. So make sure <laughs> that you uh, work on having it be exactly what you want. So for health, for uh, fastest progress, for the greatest enjoyment, I'm gonna say it's the passion and the robust thing. That when dogs, and that's kind of their natural world anyway, if they could just do their own thing, they would have what they love to do, they would do it, they would do it full out and they would be, and they would do it, you know, again, if it was hot or cold or windy or they were alone or they weren't alone, they would go do that. So all you people that train by yourselves, when the group doesn't come out and you still go out and you do your stuff and nobody wants to go hunting because it's a rough weekend, but you're going to go or you're going to go do it, that dog has so much better of a chance of being whatever it is you want it to be because of the energy that you are putting into it. So that's a big thing. Okay, now as keying off this robust and passion thing, which is an excellent way to exist, period, but certainly in, in conjunction with your, with your animal, believe it or not, very powerful. Your energy is everything. When the dog is that way, when they have that perspective, in it starting from a puppy and building this up one of the things that you need in the lifetime of your dog is a dog that is adaptable to changing situations you need that with partners in your life with your friends and cohorts if everybody can adapt when they need to and make changes and, and continue to progress that's real important and again people don't think about that with their dogs but it is so some of the things that you need to make sure are installed in this dog's perspective and skills, 
is dealing with situations that they might not like. And I don't mean, understand what I mean by that. At some point, your dog is going to have to be out of the way. They're going to, you're going to send them to a, a boarding place uh, because you're going on vacation. They're going to have to be in the vet because they tore their ear and they've got to be there. Or you're going to be gone and they're going to be home without you. That's going to happen. And so if you spend every moment with your, and you know, if you have the luxury of spending every moment with your dog, you know, that's, don't, don't. Because then you just teach the dog, life is with me. We are a partner. We're joined at the hip. We're a team. If I'm not there, something's wrong. You, that's not teaching them to be adaptable and flexible for different situations. So they're going to have to be sometimes not with you, uh, sometimes not in the same place. And they need to be okay with that. And the way you do that with little ones, and I've told everybody this a zillion times, you know, when I get little dogs and, and I just got my wiener dog puppy, right, earlier or in last summer. So we spend time together We're in the house because she's a, just adorable. And we go out and do the walk, which is incredibly important. And then I actually put her up in a, now she was so tiny that I put her in a kennel, in a crate, which was huge for her. I put her in there and then I go off and do other things. This was as a puppy. So she learned, she kind of came already knowing a little bit of that, but sometimes we're out just having a blast and then other times you're by yourself. And when you start right off with that, you know, that doesn't mean all day or for hours and hours and hours. And in the beginning, it's got to be relatively short as you condition them to increasing times. But there need to be some place without you, even if you have the luxury of spending all the time with them, because they need to be able to be okay by themselves. Every animal on the planet needs to be okay being by itself. And if you start that with a puppy, that helps on a lot of the... Um, adaptations that's going to have to make later on and things that are going to happen. So you do that. You do not constantly play with it and give it toys and entertain it and feed it and give it treat. And you do, well, I mean, a lot of people do do that. But if you do that, again, it's just like, okay, we'll have fun all the time. I absolutely guarantee you. And I'll, even if I'm tired and would like to just sit and not do this, I will do this with the toys and I will do that. Okay, when you do that, then you're teaching that dog to take no responsibility for being okay with itself, with just itself. You know, put it in a, a place, a run, a yard, something with a couple of toys and leave it be. At first they bark and stuff like that. They've got to learn that that gets them nothing. You know, on some dogs that's a bigger lesson than with other dogs. But if right off the bat you teach them that, then you don't have that two-year-old barking all day while you're gone and the neighbor's turning you in because you're driving everybody nuts so time time without you or time just by themselves teach them early on to take responsibility for their own entertainment for their own company that's important particularly in a dog you can't really do that with kids right because this is a different kind of development but with an animal it's important because you don't go board your kid somewhere while you're on vacation, uh, you put a leave it at grandma's and then it gets more spoiled. Dogs, if you put somewhere, you know, they're just going to be on their own. And so it's important that they have that skill. Now I'll say probably what I think is one of the most important things 
in uh, dog development. And this one's the hardest one, hard, hard, hard. I had to remind myself with my little winter puppy um, last fall. But the highlight of what, whatever is the highlight of their day is what grows and expands inside of them. Just like it would with you or me, right? So the highlight of their day is what expands and grows. And the stuff that isn't the highlight of their day shrinks and gets diminished. So it, I have found it's very good if the highlight of that dog's day is when it goes and does work with you. Now, by work, on a puppy I mean go on the walk. If you have a little retriever, a couple little throws, right? But it's with you. It's not in, in right where in the living room where it's living all the time anyway, or the backyard where it lives all the time anyway. But you and this dog go do it's what's going to be its job. So in the beginning, that starts out as the walk, particularly for the sporting dogs and the hunting dogs. You want to start that eight-week-old dog somewhere safe, off-leash, off everything, walking through as close to a real field as you can get without being attacked by something else, and just teach it, here we go. We're together. I'm the alpha dog. We're together. And that's the highlight of their day, which it should be. And it's been for every single dog I have ever had. And it's just super powerful. So can they come in the house and play and all that stuff? Yeah, unless that's becoming the highlight of the day. Then that needs to shrink down. And the highlight of the day needs to be when you two go do your thing together. Now, for the retriever stuff, which is the majority of people listening, you know, then you go out on a walk out in the field, teach them, one, you're, you're building the strength and all the stuff I've talked about the walk. And they learn about the world. And it's this is a robust thing, right? I mean, they learn about uh, coyote poop, right? They learn about icky stuff you don't want, but they learn what's out there. And you don't stop doing it because they keep eating gook. You just do the best you can to prevent it. But you can't really because it's what happens. It's what they would do if they were out in the wild anyway. But you take them out there and you teach them, man, we're moving through the field. You're learning about stuff. You're learning what to not step on, what to not run into. You're learning to look before you leap. You're learning about smells and sounds and sights. And you're learning to always stay with me. And you're getting fit. And this is so much fun. And we don't have a bunch of screaming people and other dogs involved at all. It's just the two of us. And you do that at, to the physical limitations of the dog, not beyond. Come back, perfect time to put them away, give them their breakfast or whatever, and then give them their quiet time. And that becomes the highlight of their day. When that does, that dog is completely tuned in to you, not the other dog or the rest of the family or the one that gives it all the treats. It's tuned into this robust activity where it is discovering its own personal meaning, its own personal purpose. So for our hunting retrievers, right? They, they go out in the field and they look for stuff and they retrieve and they, we start that early and we just build this passion for what ultimately is going to be this dog's professional job. And so even if your dog is, and what I hear all the time, I only hunt five times a year maybe. The rest of the time it's a family dog. Okay, this applies right here just the same. Because when you go hunting your five days, you want the dog to be a team player. You want them to listen. You don't want to have to use an electric collar to force them to behave. 
You want them to understand clearly what their job is. You want them to do it for you, not just whomever, not just tune you out and go hunt the fields itself. You want that team thing. You also want that everywhere else in your life. You want, if you go hiking with the family, you go on to have a picnic, you want the dog to go, what are we doing? What are my rules? What do you guys want me to do because of this team thing? And that when, if you ask it to do something or go lay down, then it does. If you tell it to sit somewhere, then it does. There's, you don't want it barking and just making all kinds of noise because it just wants to be doing something it isn't. It applies to your whole life. It also applies then to those 360 days of just being a family pet. You still want this dog to have purpose, have a passion for what it does, and be able to adapt to whatever's going on at the time. Believe that you're the alpha dog, and their job is to work with you and be a productive part of the family. This is how you do that. When they're young, you make the highlight of their day when they go do their job with you. Now, I have had many people say, I know you say that, but, you know, I have three kids, and they just love the puppy. So then the puppy was bought for entertaining the kids, not for the puppy to also be able to have a, a meaningful, clearly understood life. So, again, if you want to do that, then get a rescue dog that would be just so happy to be entertaining the kids. If you have a dog that has an ultimate purpose, then you have to respect that. And so if you have kids and they love the dog, then in the morning you go do your walk and your throws, and then it has quiet time, and then maybe it can, you know, be in the backyard for just a little while with the kids, and then it can go back and be quiet time again. It can come in in the evenings with the family and be calm and not crazy and learn that this is what we do in the evenings and you don't bite and you don't jump all over everybody and people aren't picking you up, teaching you to jump up. And then you go to bed, you know, you go out, you have dinner, air, go, whatever. But there's this structure to its life that works in your family system or your personal system. But the highlight of the day isn't running around the house with kids screaming and picking up the puppy and dressing it like a doll. But it's when you show up and you're going to go out into that wonderful world that is that dog's future. So the structure so that you can make the dog understand, you know, that we're adaptable and things aren't always the same. But this is, this is what I need you to do. You start that as a puppy and they never know anything any different. Now, nowhere in there, and now I'm, ta I'm just giving my opinion on this, nowhere in there is there free feeding. And everyone, you know, I've got a few dogs that go, nah, they're just nibblers. Well, they're nibblers because you free feed and you teach them to do that. When, after I have the dog for a while, they all eat dinner at dinner time. And if you're going to travel and you're going to hunt or compete and do these things with dogs, you need a dog that can travel eat at dinner time, eat when they need to, not all that you can't. You know, if you're going to go hunt for three hours, you can't do it on a full tummy. If bad stuff happens then. So you've got to be able to, this is a competitive athlete, basically. And, you know, your fueling is important. And so if you just teach a dog, ah, this eating is whatever, um, then you're not going to have this dog ready and adaptable to changing situations you know, when you're traveling, when you're going on a hunting trip to South Dakota or you're doing a few circuits of hunting tests or field trials, right? you need that dog it's to train and do this stuff, get in the crate, go out, air, have dinner, air itself, go to bed. 
if you have a dog that's easy that way, they'll be easy that way forever. And it's so nice. So, uh, you know, uh, teach your dog to, to eat when it's dinner time and feed them always the amount that keeps their body looking right, not what the bag says. And then, so then you have a dog with the right perspective of food. When people, and I'm going to weigh in again, because I will never stop weighing in on this. Dogs can have uh, food issues, just like people, and we give it to them. And so when, when you just love your dog so much and just give it treats for every little thing all the time, then food becomes a major focal point. Sometimes the highlight of their day is how many treats they got from you. And then food becomes a big deal. Now, we don't want our kids to think, I'll do anything if I can have a pizza and some donuts and ice cream. That really would be nice if people ate food because it's fueled them and gave them the energy and the nutrition they needed. Then we wouldn't have all the kind of stuff we have, you know, with people being having issues with that. Don't do that to your dog. If you just teach him, here, every time I think I love you, I give you food and give you a complete wrong perspective on what consuming things is. Um, so, you know, no. I Again, I th treats and stuff like that is good with fear. You know, it's good to get a dog in a kennel or a crate it doesn't want to get into. It's useful for that kind of stuff. But if you just use it because you love your dog so much, um, then you're giving it a very wrong perspective on food. Food should be to serve their body and its needs and not some emotional thing like we humans often make it. So there, that's it. That's that for now. You impart what you are and who you are to the dog. Make sure it's what you want. Um, and when you see them do stuff, understand that's being reflected back to you. It's an element to you. You know, make sure that the highlight of their day is, is something related to being with you and doing their job, their purpose on the earth. Not just play and entertainment and all that. That is not good for any animal in the world. They can have play and entertainment and family time. But if it's a highlight, then you're losing that purpose thing. And they just want to be entertained. Then they're very entitled dogs. Very difficult dog to train. And finally, keep food in the right perspective. We want this dog to be passionate about whatever it is you're doing. To be healthy all the time. And not to have eating disorders. And, you know, I get a significant number of dogs in that have the very wrong relationship with food. And I'm not some fanatic about this. But the food is such a big deal that that would take precedent over um, the work. I've often talked to people. You know, I said, if, if your dog, if we threw a shot of pheasant over to the right and put a food bowl down to the left, where is your dog going to go? Now, most of the finished dogs that I have here, they, they get the pheasant, bring it to you, then go eat. But there's a lot of dogs that would go over to eat and say, I get that in a little bit. First, I got to get this stuff. So, you know, question yourself on your dog. Which one is, which one would it be on that? All right. So that's the building your dog talk for, t for today. Um, it's the part that's most important, well, no, all of it is very important to understand. You're imparting your, your makeup, your psychology, your emotional status to this dog. Make sure it's what you want it to be. Robust and passion is what's true to canines. 
And if you identify that and then work down those aisles with the dog, it will be healthy and happy, and both of you will be, and you can get whatever it is that dog, however much talent that has, that dog has, that's your only limitation, nothing else. Make sure as you're developing and training them that the highlight of its day is the work with you because that's the way it expands. If it's not that, then that begins to shrink and kind of get in the way of the good times. Dogs should be adaptable, flexible, and not have any problem with that at all. I mean, we all have to be that way. Our, our kids have to be that way. It's sure helpful if we help them gain those skills so when they go out in life, they can manage this stuff. So that's the next part here. Um, I'll probably have probably one more. I'm not sure uh, on the building a dog thing. But I hope this is useful to some people because it's not a topic you're going to see anywhere, written or otherwise. Everybody gives you the little tricks and gimmicks here. Use treats and get them to sit. And, and what they're doing is getting in the middle of this dog building and messing it up. And so if you can look at it a little bit different, maybe it'll help you. So I offer that today on this extremely blizzardy day. And uh, so no upland, maybe for a few days. I'll see if I can. I'd like to get some video of G because she's just doing so, so nicely. Uh, put it on Facebook page. Meanwhile, all the best, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay warm. And G and I will be back soon.